uh, the book of Ruth this morning. That's where we're going to spend a little bit of time. Ruth is right after Judges. Uh, no Sunday school today. S- sorry about that. We gave uh, most of our Sunday school teachers are moms, except for Mr. Tedford. He's a dad. <laughs> and he's awesome. So they get the day off. And, and more than that, like I think sometimes it's good to have our kids here. I know you don't feel that way sometimes because they, they squirm a little bit. But, but I don't know. There's something about like your kids being able to grow up experiencing that, that loving mother's flick on the back of your ear in the middle of service when you're making noise. It's, it's a rite of pa- It's important. So anyway, I'm glad you're here, kids. Squirm all you want. It won't, it won't bother me. Uh, and, and I'll try and preach quick. <laughs> Being a mom is, is hard work. At least it looks like it is from my position as a dad. Uh, and, and there's no doubt that each stage of childhood has uh, a, a different uh, blessings. And, and there's no doubt that with each additional child, things change a little bit. Like I can still remember uh, Keith and Angie Anderson and their and their first little baby. You know, when you have that first baby, it's like, oh, don't touch. Like, wash your hands first. Uh, you know, be... Just, just look. Uh, literally, when they had their their last, uh, their third boy, Owen, uh, Keith walked in and, and like a football just threw him to me. It was awesome. I caught him. It was it was great. There's a, there's a difference. So uh, there's there's differences between the first and the third. I came up with a list of a few of those differences. With the first baby, you begin wearing maternity clothes as soon as your doctor confirms your pregnancy. With your second pregnancy, uh, you wear your regular clothes for as long as possible. And with your third baby, your maternity clothes are your regular clothes. <laughs> with, uh, with your first baby, you practice your, re- your breathing religiously, right, in preparation for uh, childbirth. With your second baby, you don't practice breathing at all because you remembered the first time and it didn't do a thing. With your third baby, you ask for an epidural. In your eighth month. <laughs> uh, with your first baby, you pre-wash all of the newborn's clothes and you color coordinate them and you fold them neatly in the baby's little bureau. With the second baby, you check to make sure that none of those old clothes have any really big, ugly stains on them. Uh, with your third baby, ah, boys can wear pink, right? That's okay. <laughs> With your first baby, at the first sign of distress, any little cry or whimper, you pick up the baby. Uh, with your second baby, you pick up your baby only when their wails threaten to wake up your sleeping toddler. And with the third baby, you teach your three-year-old how to change a diaper. Right? <laughs> One more. With your first baby, you spend a good bit of every day just gazing lovingly at your new baby. With your second baby, you spend a good bit of every day watching to make sure that your older child isn't squeezing, poking, or hitting the baby. And then with your third baby, you spend a good bit of every day hiding from the children in the bathroom. (laughs) Right? Well, this morning what I want to do is take a little bit closer look at at uh, a, a mother in the Bible that was a great example of uh, of a godly woman. Uh, she had some of these awesome character qualities that we often talk about when we talk about moms. And uh, Naomi was was faithful. She was godly. She was she was a, a biblical example of the kind of influence that moms have 
on their kids. Listen, I know that not everybody in here is a mom. In fact, some of you are actually men. Uh, I recognize that. But the example set here by Naomi and Ruth is still applicable for, for all of us who desire to live uh, godly, gracious lives. So, guys, you can't fall asleep just because it's a Mother's Day sermon. Uh, you still got to pay attention. And I think that w- what we're going to learn from her applies to, to all of us across the board. Uh, the book of Ruth begins uh, kind of happy enough, right? It begins with this guy named Elimelech and his wife Naomi, and they have uh, two sons. Uh, and they're all, they're all forced out of, of uh, Israel, out of Bethlehem because of uh, a famine. And so they move to the neighboring area of Moab, and there, uh, their two sons marry these nice Moabite girls. Uh, over the course of the story, things get, get harder. Elimelech dies, leaving Naomi a widow. But, but it's okay, at least she's got her sons, right? She's got her sons and her daughters-in-law to take care of her and to support her. But then as the story goes on, something happens to the sons and both of them die as well. And so now Naomi is left with, with no husband, no sons. It's just her and her daughters-in-law that, that are clinging together for support. Naomi hears that the famine uh, back in Bethlehem has ended, and she, so she decides, I'm going to go back there. I'm going to go back to my own hometown, my own people. But before she does, before she goes, she leaves these instructions with her son's wives. Look at Ruth chapter 1, starting in verse 8. She says, Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show kindness to you, as you have shown to your dead and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them, and they wept aloud and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I'm too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, no, my daughters. It's more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has gone out against me. At this they wept again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. One of the qualities of a godly mother is that she will put her kids first. She will always put the needs of others first. There is no doubt that Naomi loves these two girls. And she highly values their friendship and their help. Losing her daughters will leave her with nothing. It will leave her alone, even more helpless and destitute. But she knows, Naomi knows that things aren't going to be easy for them uh, back in Bethlehem, that they're still going to be poor and they're still going to have to struggle. And so she instructs them to go home to their own mothers and to go find new husbands. Naomi releases them from any obligation that they might have had to her. She's not going to have any other sons for them to marry. It would just be better for the girls if they went home and found someone new. She is more concerned with their own well-being than with her own. That's, that's just how mothers are. They are selfless. 
Here's a story of a teacher who was trying to teach her class about fractions. And so she said, all right, Johnny, uh, you got a pie and there's six people in your family. If your mom cuts that pie up, how many, uh, what's, uh, what's the size of your piece? How big is your piece going to be? And, and, and Johnny thought about it a little bit and he said, uh, it's going to be one fifth. And the teacher said, no, 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 there's six people in your family. What's the fraction that you're going to get? And he said, one fifth. The teacher said, nah, no, Johnny, you don't understand fractions. And Johnny said, no, you don't understand my mom. <laughs> she would make sure we all had more and say that she didn't want any so that we all get to eat more pie. That's just how mothers are. They're selfless. Mothers sacrifice for their children gladly. Naomi wants these girls to be blessed. And so she hugs them and she kisses them and they all have a good cry together and Orpah takes her mother-in-law's good advice and heads back home. But Ruth, Ruth clings to her, refuses to leave. But look what it says in chapter 1, verse 15. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. You go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there, I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. And when Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. I think, I think Naomi was a little bit surprised by Ruth's strong devotion. But a godly mother has an incredible influence on her children. A mother's life, uh, her actions, her words, her love are all a reflection of God's love. And a, and a faithful mother will teach her children about God through, through words and through actions. When Naomi tells Ruth to go back to her family, to her gods, Ruth says, no, no way. I'm going where you go. Where you stay, I'm going to stay. Your God is my God. Listen, I know that, that sometimes it doesn't seem like your kids are listening at all. But they are. A lot. They listen. And they watch. And they pick up way more than we realize. Moms, your, your influence is, is perhaps greater than any other person in their life. Your God will be their God. Draw close to God and your children will be drawn close to God. Naomi and Ruth, they both return together to Bethlehem. They're sad. They're hurting. But they have each other. The whole town is stirred by their presence. Like everybody is talking about what's happened to them and, and what's going on. And, and the word spreads about all the hardships that they've been through. And they're amazed at the love and devotion of Ruth, this Moabite girl. And the whole town takes notice. Ruth and Naomi are, are destitute. They're poor. They really have nothing. And God had established certain rules and laws so that the poor people in society could survive. 
the edges of the fields were to be left unharvested so that, that those with nothing could come and, and could glean. There was, there was no like holding up a sign in front of Walmart. No, you still had to go and work for your food. And so Ruth volunteers to go out into the fields and glean behind the harvesters. And she happens to glean from a field of a guy named Boaz, who's actually a relative of her deceased husband. And Boaz takes notice of, of Ruth and he's heard the story and he commends her on her faithfulness and her devotion to her mother-in-law. Boaz blesses Ruth, loads her up with food, offers to, to keep her safe and protect her. That evening, uh, Ruth brings home tons of food and tells Naomi all about her encounter with, with Boaz. And Naomi tells Ruth this, chapter 2, verse 22, she says, it'll be good for you, my daughter, to go with his girls because in someone else's field you might be harmed. So Ruth stayed close to the servant girls of Boaz to glean until the barley and wheat harvests were finished. A godly mother knows how to give good advice, sound advice. Naomi knows that that whole harvesting thing can be like a rough bunch. And so she sees that there's safety in staying in Boaz's fields and she wants her daughter to be safe. Seems like there comes a point in every mother's life when her kids don't want to take their mom's advice. They think they know better. I mean, my teenagers aren't like that. My teenagers listen and obey everything my wife says immediately the first time with, yeah, <laughs> most of the time. And the mother's advice is, is good, right? Uh, it's good advice. Bring, bring a coat, uh, pack a snack, eat more protein, do your homework, Start it early. Drink more water. Don't go outside dressed like that. Mother's advice is, is good. Solid advice. And usually a mother's advice comes from a lifetime of, of experience and wisdom and knowledge. But sometimes it's not always received well. For some reason, motherly advice can be easy to ignore often, but it's rarely wrong. A mother's desire is for her children to be safe and secure and healthy and godly and strong. Anyone who quickly dismisses the advice of their parents is a fool. Proverbs 30.17 says this, The eye that mocks a father and scorns a mother, the ravens of the valley will pick it out and the young eagles will eat it. So, moms, if you're looking for a verse to cross-stitch on a pillow to give to your kids, here's a good one. If you don't listen to me, young eagles will eat your eyeballs. <laughs> it says so in the Bible, <laughs> right? Uh, okay, here's another one. <laughs> Proverbs 6.20 says, My son, observe the commandment of your father, and do not forsake the teaching of your mother. Bind them continually on your heart. Tie them around your neck. When you walk about, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. And when you awake, they will talk to you. Some of you guys can relate, right? You still have your mom talking to you. <laughs> right here. You can hear her words still years later. That's the benefit of a godly mother. 
A mother gives good advice because at her core, she has her children's best interest in mind. She wants what's best. She's never going to stop trying to help, even when you want her to stop trying to help. Uh, Naomi recognized here that, that, that Boaz has shown an extra amount of, of grace towards Ruth. And Naomi knows that Boaz has the ability to marry and take care of her daughter-in-law. There's, there's this, this tradition in the culture, uh, that if you die without having any kids, the, the next closest single relative w- would marry the widow and carry on the family line for them. It was a way of, of preserving the family, showing honor to the deceased, a way of taking care of widows. It solved all kinds of problems. And th- this practice was known as a, a kinsman redeemer. For a man to be a kinsman redeemer, he had to be a, a, a close relative of the deceased man. He had to be financially able to pay the price of redemption. And he had to be willing to redeem the woman. Now, Boaz clearly cared for Ruth. He was trying to take care of her. But he didn't offer to redeem her. Probably because maybe because he was a little bit older. Maybe because there was another relative that was a little bit closer uh, who had first priority there. So Naomi gives her daughter some instructions. All right, here's, here's what you got to do. Here's what you got to do to ask for Boaz to redeem you. She went to the place. He was sleeping, uncovers his feet, lays down. This is a custom that's indicating submission and devotion and loyalty. Ruth follows her mom's instructions. And both uh, Boaz wakes up and finds Ruth at his feet. Here's what it says, Ruth chapter 3, verse 9. He wakes up and says, probably the first thing anybody would say if you woke up and there was somebody sleeping at your feet, who are you? <laughs> what, what's going on? Who, who are you? He asked. I'm your servant, Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a kinsman redeemer. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All my fellow townsmen know that you are a woman of noble character. Ruth had opportunities to act in a selfish way. I mean, she could have left Naomi a long time ago. I mean, she, Naomi told her to. You're, you're released. Go ahead. She could have gone back to her own people for protection. She could have sought a, a young, good-looking, rich husband. Instead, she sticks by her mother. She honors her mother. She listens to her mother's advice. She follows her mother's instructions. She shows that she's a woman of noble character. And as a result of her faithfulness, God blesses both Ruth and Naomi. Because God will do that. God will bless a faithful mother. Look at Ruth chapter 4, verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. Then he went to her and the Lord enabled her to conceive and she gave birth to a son. The women said to Naomi, praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you without a kinsman redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. 
He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons. What? Wait a minute. <laughs> We're standing right here. All right, fine. She's pretty awesome. Uh, anyway, your, your daughter-in-law has given him birth. Then Naomi t- took the child and laid him in her lap and cared for him. The woman living there said, Naomi has a son. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, who was the father of David. Naomi, who, who earlier had changed her name from Naomi to Mara, which means bitter, because of her bitterness and her grief, is now blessed with a grandson. God remained faithful to her. Ruth and Boaz name their son Obed, who becomes the father of a guy named Jesse, who is the father of King David. Ruth, again, a a Moabite woman, a Gentile, an outsider to the people of God, manages to find herself in the lineage of Jesus Christ thanks to the motherly love of a woman who wasn't even her biological mother. And not every mom is going to see like the, the fruit of her faithfulness right away. Sometimes it might take years or decades, or maybe you won't even see it until heaven. But God has a way of honoring and blessing faithfulness. Let, let me close by reading a portion of Proverbs 31. This is the classic Mother's Day poem in the Scripture. It's written down by by King Lemuel, but it's really words of wisdom that he's received from his own mother. She wants the same thing that every mother wants for her son. She wants her son to marry a godly woman and then have lots and lots of grandkids. And so she explains the blessings that come from a woman of noble character. Proverbs 31 Starting in verse 25, it says she's clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the reward she has earned and let her works bring her praise at the city gates. God, we thank You so much for the examples of godly motherhood that You give us. Thank You, Lord, for our moms. Lord, thank You for those godly women that You've put in our lives who have been uh, an influence on us. Who are selfless and sacrificial. Who in many ways uh, appoint us to You. Thank You for our moms who pray for us and who love us and care for us. Thank You so much, God, for Your love for Your grace, for Your mercy. Lord, we're blessed in so many ways. And today, God, we just, we just praise You. We thank You for all the ways that You shower us with Your mercy and love.
In Jesus' name, amen.